Ooh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Slum Society Show. Today it's another top three tips episode, which means I've got a, another very special guest with me here today on the show. I am Connor Rhodes, as always, your personal nutritionist, and today I am joined by a wonderful personal trainer and also a Slum Society supporting coach and nutritionist, Bethany Sharp. Woo! How are you today, Beth? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Great, thank you. It's excellent to have you on the show. Thank you. Today it is another top three tips episode where I am and have been interviewing successful professionals, a variety of, and asking them their top three tips for fat loss and weight management just to try and get us at Slim Society and the people at home and listeners and our members too, a whole wide variety and breadth of opinions and options and information, education, motivation, this kind of thing towards fat loss and weight management. So today I'm going to be asking you your top three tips for fat loss and weight management. Is that okay? Sounds good. Excellent. Excellent. First though, if you would tell us for the listeners at home where you work and where people can find you online just in case they want to find you in person or if they're looking for help in some way. Yep. So I work at Sheffield City Centre South Pure Gym. Yeah. That is a tongue twister and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can find me online at slimsociety.nutrition. That's right, yeah, because you've just been recently posting videos and infographics and information and little bits of entertainment because I think your videos are funny and people do <laughs> online. They're better than mine, I will say that because I'm not funny at all. <laughs> um, onto the Slum Society Instagram recently haven't you which is good so we're just getting started on that platform there and it is slum society dot nutrition isn't it because somebody's already stolen slum society as the name how dare they <laughs> how dare they but it is first come first served so it is fair mm. it is fair it is first come first served so it is fair at some point though we might have to offer them some cash we want to buy that handle <laughs> we want to buy that handle um so just about all our, our members at Slum Society and most of the listeners at home will have fat loss and weight management goals. So what are your t- top three tips for us, Beth, then? Can you give us a, a rundown of them? Yep, of course. So tip number one is don't give yourself a specific calorie deficit target to hit every day. Ooh, that is a a really really great tip that's something we've been talking about a lot recently isn't it yeah you made a video for instagram about this topic recently and we put it on facebook as well we teach people this in the program we talk about this a lot as coaches so we don't recommend a specific calorie target even a specific calorie deficit target mm. you tell us then what, what do we recommend instead uh, so we recommend to create a range, so starting from a zero calorie deficit to say up to a thousand calorie deficit. Up to a thousand, zero to a thousand mm-hmm. calorie deficit range. Yep, just so you have way more flexibility and less stress for you, more ease of mind and you can have a little bit more fun with your diet, giving yourself like a bigger range. Yeah, so it's not bullseye or failure Mm. like some people would set a like a personal trainer or a nutritionist or a meal plan or a my fitness pal type app might set you a 500 calorie deficit let's say yeah but some people might 
have a 300 calorie deficit and they might be like, oh no, I've eaten 200 calories too many. But really in reality, no, you've eaten a 300 calorie deficit, which means you lost 300 calories of body fat and your weight's gonna go down a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you've done really well, but you think you've not done well because you've got such a specific calorie target. Yeah, which a lot of the time, like if you try and hit that every day, no offense, but you're gonna fail. It's very difficult to hit like a specific number, like 1800 or like 1500. Like getting that every single day, like difficult. <laughs> you're exactly right. No matter what you, no matter what calorie goal we set somebody or that somebody aimed for, they would find it very, very, very difficult to land their calorie intake on that number. Definitely. This is like playing Tetris with loads of different foods that have got different calorie levels and values with every single thing that you eat and you're trying to slot them all perfectly together every single day, maybe eating a variety of foods as well, so you're working with differing foods each day and trying to Tetris them together to land it on a specific number. Whether it's low or not, that's flipping difficult. Very. Isn't it? That's flipping difficult. You're exactly right. So we set people calorie deficit ranges and it's not always zero to 1,000, is it? It depends how much weight somebody's got to lose. Yeah. It depends how tall somebody is, maybe. It depends how fast they want to lose weight, maybe. It depends on a lot of different variables. I guess it depends on people's metabolisms and just their goals in general. Yeah, this activity levels. Activity levels is a good one. You're exactly right. Um, how much weight they've got to lose, etc. So some people might have a zero to 500 calorie deficit range. Yeah, which so, is still good. That's great. Some people might have zero to 750. Mm. Some people might have zero to 1,000, you're right. You're exactly right. Um, and yeah, this gives people more flexibility with the food. You, it's not as difficult. You're not playing as tight a game of Tetris to try and block them all in perfectly to land it on this specific number. You just need to get it there or thereabouts. Yeah. So like you said, a bit more ease of mind. Mm. That makes sense as well. Um, it's more manageable, it's more achievable, it's more realistic. Yeah. People are not robots either, are they? No. So people's stress levels change. People's hunger levels change each day. Yeah. Some people don't want to eat the same things every day. That's true. So you would struggle to fit different foods into an exact calorie number every single day. You'd have to be a wizard with your food intake and so accurate and specific but if you've got a decent calorie range to work with you can also play it by ear a little bit can't you yeah like let's say you're on a 500 calorie deficit but you really want a snack in an evening or a glass of wine 200 calories you still can yeah and but, you'll still be in a calorie deficit yeah you'll still be in a calorie deficit um, I could tell you were being mindful with your language then because you nearly said under maintenance. Which, yeah, but that's <laughs> six steps to slim term, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's six steps to slim language. That's what we call it in, in the program, don't we? Yeah. Um, being under maintenance because we work out for people what their maintenance calorie level is, what their weight, body weight maintenance calorie level is, it is essentially, isn't it? It's, mm -hmm. what, how, it's, it's also known as how fast is your metabolism. It's yeah. how many calories do you need to eat to stay the same weight? That's how fast your metabolism is essentially. So we teach all the members how to figure out how fast their own metabolism is and we do it for them. Mm. And then if they eat less than that number, they know that their body fat comes off and their weight comes down. Yep. Yeah, so it's um, so it's 
in, in more general terms, it's called creating a calorie deficit, but we call it being under maintenance calorie level, don't we? Because yeah. we set people's calorie targets to be basically on that maintenance level, like you said, zero calorie deficit. Or below. Or below. Yeah, that's basically people's calorie intake. Yeah, zero or zero calorie deficit to sub, or mm. maybe more, <laughs> if you want to. And it can be different each day. Oh, yeah, definitely. Some people, one day they might have a 1,000 calorie deficit. One day they might have 500. One day they might have 100 calorie deficit. Still good. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. And it, people can have a bit more flexibility, a bit more realism, a bit more options to eat different foods and to not be just 100% redlining it as hardcore as you can on a diet non-stop. Yeah, it's very difficult to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult at all times, really, without making it harder for yourself. Mm. A... A lot of personal trainers and nutritionists and stuff like this, they, they give blanket recommendations, which I also just feel like is just poor coaching as well. It's yeah. just bad coaching. Like, I agree. Like when people give, people just say they give all their clients like a 500 calorie deficit. It annoys me so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, or on Instagram or something like that. Mm. You see loads of people, don't you? 500 calorie deficit or people who just say, just go for a calorie deficit. It's like, okay not helpful no that's it could be yeah because it's simple but it's not easy isn't it mm -hmm. so it's that's only level one of the actual help and support you need knowing what to do okay you already knew eat less just calling it a calorie deficit that's the same thing yeah basically that's the same thing it's just like different terminology but saying to somebody who's overweight and struggling just eat less that's like saying to somebody who's poor or in poverty why don't you just make more money or why don't you just save more yeah. Like if somebody doesn't have much money and they're worried about it, you just go up to them and say, why don't you just save more then? That's 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 an equivalent thing. It's like, well, obviously. Yeah, it's not as simple as that. Though. Yeah, it's, it might be, or, or it might be that, that simple, but it's not that easy. Yeah. Or it, yeah, you're right, though. It's not that simple. There's just a million parts to it, mm. isn't there? There's just a million parts. It's like, okay, that's level one of it, but now what are we going to do about it? That's what the Six Steps of Slim program mostly is, isn't it? It's not really a an education program on like this is a calorie this is a carbohydrate it's not really like that it's mm. more like education on application it's more like a little bit maybe the first lecture is a little bit about this is calorie intake this is how it works this is how fa how to work out how fashion metabolism is this is how your calorie intake affects your metabolism no 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 because you have to set that up at the beginning yeah but then all the other five steps to slim and all the other education and rest of it is not really about basic biology it's about application and about getting it done and about how to actually fit it into your lifestyle and about goal setting and motivation and, you know, just actually achieving it and making it sustainable and all this kind of business. Yeah. All this kind of business. Um, so I love this top tip. Anyway, this is not a thing that other programs generally do. No, not really. Either, is it? Um, like skinny watchers and weight world or dietitians that you might go to or your personal trainer at the gym etc obviously not you but per general personal trainers um they they would also give people a 500 calorie deficit or a 700 calorie deficit or whatever they give you or even just as bad if you don't even think about it that way giving somebody a specific calorie target Mm. that's the same like saying just aim for 1200 calories per day or i want you to eat 1500 calories per day yeah we also don't do that because no. that also won't work for the exact same reasons that's the same they've just worded it differently like if your metabolism or calorie maintenance as we would term it is 
1800, 1800, and somebody tells you to eat 1500 calories, they could say, I want you to eat 1500 calories, or they could say, I want you to have a 300 calorie deficit. That's the same thing, yeah. isn't it? It's just context. Um, but we don't do that either, do we? We never give anybody a specific calorie number to aim for, and people are encouraged not to really try and do that either, not to set their goals on in the Six Steps to Slim program to involve as rigid calorie intake targets like that. We do calorie target ra- target ranges or deficit ranges, depending on which way you want to look at it. Yeah. Like some people also might set their calorie target range if they wanted to look at it this way, which is fine, as an intake of 1,500 to 2,000 calories per day. Mm. That's also a fine way of looking at it. Yeah. That's the same as a zero to 500 calorie deficit with just different wording, isn't it? One way is looking at it from the top and reducing, and the other way is looking at it from a, a fat loss amount of calories up, which they're both equal. Yeah. That makes no difference really. Um, it's just preference, yeah. So we don't we don't set anybody specific, you must eat this many calories, and we don't tell anybody you are going for this many calorie deficit per day. Um, and I've spoke to you about this recently, but I saw a very famous personal trainer that I will not point out the name of specifically <laughs> just because. I don't like to just point specifically at but I saw someone say someone everybody would know that they give all of their clients slash members, whatever term they would use, a 15% calorie deficit, Mm. which is quite small. That's quite a small calorie deficit. Um, It would obviously scale, like a 15% calorie deficit would be be more or less calories. It'd be a changing number based on, you know, um, what somebody's calorie maintenance level is. So this person's obviously working out roughly what some, how fast people's metabolism is or roughly what their calorie maintenance is or like BMR or mm. TDEE, total daily energy expenditure, whatever you want to call it. It's got millions of names. <laughs> They're working out this and then reducing 15% off that and then giving people that as a calorie target. That's like, mm, okay, that's about 1% smarter. Yeah. That's about 1% smarter, but still what? You just tower everybody with the 15% calorie deficit brush, do you? Yeah, it's not really personalised, No, what, you take into account nothing that the person (laughs) wants, do you? You don't even ask them if they want to lose weight fast or slow, which is one question that I literally ask people because it matters. How do you feel about how fast or slow you want to lose weight, you know? But you don't even ask people. You just assume they want a 15% calorie deficit and that's just going to be fine, is it? Mm. When that's quite a small deficit as well. Um, because I think that would work out if your calorie maintenance level, let's say your metabolism was 2,000 calories per day, like it says on the back of a cereal box for yeah. ladies, <laughs> um, that would be a 300 calorie deficit. Yeah. I think so, but do not necessarily trust my mental arithmetic because it is not the best, especially when live. <laughs> <laughs> it is not the best, so take any maths that I say on any podcast or video, take it with a pinch of salt. Check it if you want. Leave me a message if it's wrong. It's okay. I'll learn eventually. But it's something like a 300 calorie. It's not huge. No. It's not a huge calorie deficit, uh, which is fine. Some people like that, but also some people don't. Mm. So what are you assuming? That all of your clients and all of your members want the exact same calorie deficit? Probably not. Probably not. Dumb. <laughs> Just not cool. Just not thinking it through. Just poor coaching. Poor coaching. Did you have any other points then on calorie deficit range? Anything else you wanted to mention? Yes. Oh, good. I wanted to mention about why we also set a, well, have the calorie range start at a zero calorie deficit. Oh, that's a good point. Because I feel like a lot of personal trainers, nutritionists and 
groups like Slimming World and those people and whatever don't really put this into account. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. We, we almost just skipped over a very important point there. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought it up. Some listeners might be thinking, zero. A zero calorie deficit. Yeah. Some, it's important. Yeah, some it's some days a zero some days don't have a calorie deficit. It is not advisable. It's not smart. It's not big, it's not smart, it's not clever, it's not better to have a calorie deficit every single day. It can actually be detrimental and make things harder for you in some ways, can't it? Yeah. So with having like a zero calorie deficit or being on maintenance calories as we would call it. Mm-hmm. Um reason well one of the reasons is because we have a hormone in our body called leptin yeah which makes us feel full so we call it like fullness hormone yeah and after dieting for a period of time the leptin levels drop which will then food that like once made you feel full will basically no longer make you feel full because your leptin levels are dropped so we need to increase the leptin levels again by eating more food so being at maintenance and so the leptin levels will increase and then you'll like start feeling fuller for longer again which then will allow you to go back into dieting yes (laughs) good speech (laughs) thank you no that was a good speech you're exactly right Um, and that happens with a lot of different hormones as well doesn't it so you're right about leptin and that the, the the fullness hormone sort of thing after three days in a calorie deficit people's leptin levels drop by 50 percent that's huge yeah so you're 50 percent not as full from the same meals that you were eating three days or four days before crazy <laughs> yeah so after three days your leptin levels drop by 50 percent, and then after that it goes down slower mm. it's a steady decline but it keeps going down and it gets worse and worse and worse and people have experienced this yeah. where you're eating a plate of food and then it's no longer there on the plate of food the, the, on the plate it's the food's no longer there but it's not on the floor you look down you've not spilled much but you don't know where it is because it feels like it's not inside you yeah you barely remember <laughs> eating it and you definitely can't feel it because you could eat it again everybody gets this it's one of those leptin things isn't it so it's your fullness hormones dropping. You also have hunger hormones that rise, yeah. like ghrelin. ghrelin. Yeah, ghrelin um, rises in sort of a similar pattern mm. while dieting. So you get hungry and hungry and hungrier the more days you have a calorie deficit in a row. This is why people get two, three, four, five, six weeks into programs and they can't keep it up. And they're like, oh my God. And they think it's their willpower. It's not. Mm. It's called flipping, we call it diet fatigue. Um, some people call it metabolic adaptation. But, but we try and... Uh, simplify it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We try and simplify it. Yeah, because metabolic adaptation, that could mean a lot of different things if you didn't know what specifically it was talking about. But Definitely. diet fatigue is a bit more simpler. It's a diet and it's making you tired. You're getting sick of it. It's hard. It's getting worse. It wears you down. <laughs> and it does. Your testosterone levels drop as well as a man and a woman, and men and ladies. Um, testosterone levels drop down Mm. your growth hormone levels drop down as well sleep can become disturbed willpower goes down um happiness can go down literally feelings of restriction goes up cravings goes up all this is called metabolic adaptation or we call it diet fatigue and dieting causes it so guess what fixes it guess what doesn't cause it not dieting not dieting it's revolutionary 10 out of 10 magic isn't it it's it's, shocking yeah i mean it's crazy isn't it who'd have thought who'd have thought but other programs you write don't take this into account no no they just 
like you said, at Skinny Watchers or Weight World, they go, how much weight do you want to lose? Like, And people come to us at the Six Steps of Slim with more than 10 stone to lose all the time. Mm. That You just turn up at these places and then, how much weight do you want to lose? 10 stone. And they're like, all right, three, two, one. And then go. And then what? You just do it in one go? Yeah, no. No, 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 no. Like literally a, a lady joined Six Steps to Slim with more than 10 stone to lose this week and I asked her just because I ask people questions because I'm trying to find out how they feel about fat loss and what their goals are and who we're working with and what we're trying to achieve she, she said okay I'm trying to lose this much weight 10 stone-ish mm. I said alright cool how, do you have any sort of idea or preference or any thoughts about how long this will take and she said no not really I don't have like a specific time span or anything I'm not trying to get it done in any specific length of time. Obviously, I'd like it to be done. If, if it was quicker, that would be good. Because obviously, if it's just... Bet, it's just people just prefer it if it's faster, doesn't it? That makes sense. Yeah. But she said no. She actually said to me, how long do you think it will take? And I said, well, well to be honest, I obviously can't predict the future. I've only just flipping been talking this late 15 minutes. <laughs> or something. I don't know how easy she's going to find the changes, if she's going to make the changes, if, you know, anything, if things are going to come up in her life that are going to cause issues along the way, probably, because it's people, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, it's just life in general, it's tough. So many different variables. Yeah, all the time. So I can't exactly predict, but I can say that people on the Six Steps of Slim, on average, lose half a stone to a stone per month. Something like this. Yeah. And I'd say that's decently common. That's not special. One of the things that's special about our program is we make it easier for people to get it done and we make it more manageable and sustainable. But you can get similar results on most programs. Like a stone per month is probably maxing it out mm. for weight loss. Like even if you go on some sort of Cambridge plan, some like supplement only kind of game, for like 500 calories a day or some VLCD as it's called sometimes, very low calorie diets or whatever. Yeah. Supplement diets or whatever you do, um, something hardcore. Generally people don't lose more than a stone per month no matter what you do. Mm. Not really. Uh, people do lose a stone per month on the Six Steps of Slim as well without doing flipping 800 or 500 calorie a day diets or using just supplements only or cutting out food groups and stuff like that. Just doing it literally just with healthy, balanced food. You can have healthy, balanced food at any calorie level, don't you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> magic again. Who would have thought? Crazy. I know. Wild. Um, so I said for this lady, half a stone to a stone per month. If you don't want it to go as fast or you don't want to make as many changes or you don't put 100% effort in, probably you'll get half a stone per month. Mm. If you do all the changes and you try your best and you work real hard and you do all the things, maybe you'll get up to a stone per month. So still for this lady, it's going to take minimum 10 months, maximum 20 months probably, 10 to 20 month range for her to achieve this fat loss target. She's going to have a calorie deficit for, let's take an average, 15 months. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Not really. How many times are you going to fail that goal before you get upset and quit because you think you can't do it? Loads. 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 You can't have... What, 15 months? You can't have a calorie deficit all the time. What about Christmas? What about birthdays? What about my birthday? What about holidays? What about just a meal out? Yeah, what about a meal out? What about a weekend? Yeah. What, anything. Everything. Yeah, exactly. Just all different kinds of things. It's not advisable, it's not manageable really, it's not sustainable, it's not realistic, it's not even better to have a calorie deficit every day. It's worse in some ways, isn't it? Yeah. You the, the, in some ways, if your calorie deficit frequency or consistency in days becomes longer and longer and longer and more and more and more and more, at some point this starts to become detrimental to your success. Yeah. Because your energy levels are just wearing down, your hunger levels are just going wild, you're just restricting yourself way too much for way, long and it, way too long and it's going to explode at some point. And it does for people. 
does. It does. We all know those people or have seen or heard of or, again, know these people that have lost five stone in five months or six months, seven months. Mm. And then when they when they have lost all the weight, they gain it back nearly in the same amount of time that they that they lost the weight in the first place, five or seven months after that. They've gained it all back. Yeah. This is diet fatigue as well. This is this is five stone of diet fatigue and hunger and restriction built up like a dam inside them. And then they achieve the goal and they go, oh my God, finally. And then as soon as the plug hole comes out even a little bit, the dam just bursts and it all comes screaming out and forward and it's very difficult to control and people don't manage it. 100%. That's another benefit of taking maintenance days is it like prepares you for after your weight loss goals because the closer you get to your like weight loss goal, the more you'll have to take maintenance days um, just because you'll have like lower body fat and everything. So then when you finish your weight loss goals and hit your target, you'll then be on maintenance like until if you want to like lose a bit more weight or whatever, you'll just stay on the, your new calorie maintenance. You've hit a number of good points there. A number, a, a number of good different points. One of them was that calorie. Sorry, I'm saying the wrong thing. That diet fatigue or metabolic adaptation gets more aggressive or worse. You could say the slimmer you are. Yep. Which is a very good point. This is due to something called energy availability in the body. EE. Um, in flipping science, and it's literally how much energy your body has available. And largely, you've got body fat and you've got food. And mm. if you don't have much fat and then you don't eat much food, you haven't got much energy, and then you feel the diet fatigue way worse. So, you're right. Slimmer people should take more periodic, purposeful diet breaks, or we call it maintenance days or maintenance weeks. Sometimes, some people even take maintenance months, a month or two off. That's not a bad move if you've got a lot of weight to lose. Say you've got ten stone to do and you've done five. Yeah. Take a month or two off. Stop and smell the roses. I feel like we skipped over an important point that I've ju- that's just sprung back into my mind when I said that people's leptin levels go down. Mm by 50% after three days in a calorie deficit. This is the same pattern when you have maintenance breaks or diet breaks, or you, if we say it in even simpler terms, we eat more food on purpose. Mm. This is what we encourage our members to do, not have a calorie deficit, remove the calorie deficit sometimes. Not eat so much that you gain the weight back, but yes, eat more, don't have a calorie deficit. It takes up to three days of maintenance diet break for those leptin levels to come back up um, or for the ghrelin hunger hormones to come back down and for the testosterone levels and thyroid and stuff to come back up mm. and stuff like this. So eat one, one day of a diet break or a maintenance day or break is only really good psychologically because it gets your cravings out of the way. That makes sense. You can have a couple of glasses of wine or crisps or chocolate or whatever you like. But really for your hormones on the inside and for your actual physical changes that come from calorie deficits and from dieting, it can take three days, four days, five days. You might might need actually a period of time. Mm -hmm. A period of time to recover and to feel good to go again. It's the same with exercise, isn't it? Imagine if you exercised every day for like flipping days and days and days in a row. No, you should take days off, you should take weekends off, you should just space your exercise out, let's just be sensible. People should do that with a calorie deficit too, but they just don't. 
No. no, they just don't. Other programs don't take this into account. Um, it's been a long time thing in the bodybuilding and fitness community because those people are trying to get as slim as possible. So, like you said, the slimmer you get, the harder it gets to create the calorie deficit, basically, and you have to take more time off. So, if someone's really slim and they're trying to like get absolutely like six pack shredded, they might even take two or three days off the diet, calorie maintenance days or maintenance break days per week towards the end sometimes. Yeah, that's true. It's a good idea. It keeps your energy levels up, especially if you want to exercise and you don't want to feel like crap. It's a good idea. While you're doing it. So, you're exactly right. This was a good point to segue into from this was only tip number one wasn't it but it was a good point to segue into that some days we we recommend and we plan in calorie maintenance breaks not only for the hormone levels but also for your psychology for your feelings of restriction to go down for your cravings to go down um and also amazing point that you hit earlier as well about it also practices you and gives you a little bit of training for what you're going to do after the diet yeah because at the end of the diet you you have to maintain, don't you? You have to switch your calories to a maintenance-ish level because if you keep them low, you'll keep losing and at some point that'll become unhealthy and you won't even want that. Yeah. And if you put them back up too high, you'll gain the weight back. Which you don't want either. Which you don't want either. Yeah, you're right. So you've got to balance your calories at that maintenance level after and that's why people struggle because they've they've done a diet and learned how to eat low calories and kept it up and kept it going. Mm. But then when they get to the end, there's a different game you've got to play now and people are like, oh, it's harder. No, it's not. You've just not practiced. People have been trying to eat low calories all their life. They've done 20 different ways of low calorie eating, different diet plans, this, that, the other one. How many maintenance plans have you ever been on? Probs none. Probably zero until you come to the six steps to slim. So as people go through the six steps to slim, they literally learn two ways of dieting. Mm. One is a low calorie way of eating, yes, to get the weight off, creating a calorie deficit. That has to be done. But while they're going through that period and process, they also learn how to eat at rough maintenance calorie levels medium calorie intake so you're not only learning low calorie intake you're also learning medium calorie intake like you said maybe for a day or a day or two at a time maybe a weekend here and there if you're just at the start of the plan and you're trying to get a lot of weight off maybe after you've done a chunk like you said maybe you take a couple of weeks at maintenance practice eating the amount an actual appropriate amount for your body so it's not just swinging like it probably has done for a lot of time for a lot of people from low calories on a plan to high calories off a plan, to oh my god, low calories on a plan, to oh, high calories off a plan. Yeah. <clears throat> back and forth and back and forth. We need to stop. We need to be settling somewhere in the middle. So we really don't want to be teaching people just another way of low calorie eating, even if we do teach people an easier way of low calorie eating and a much more flexible and manageable and achievable way of low calorie eating. We do, yes, but we also teach them a medium way of calorie eating as well throughout the process so that when you get to the end, you're not actually just flying blind you've practiced and you were quite right when you said that maintenance day frequency, let's say, or diet break frequency increases as somebody gets closer to their weight loss target usually. Yeah. Especially if they've got a very low weight loss target, like some people want to be really quite slim. Mm. Then you have to take more breaks. You have to diet slower, basically, if you want to make it to the end without feeling like crap or exploding when you get to the end. So we're preparing people for the end and this is why people get one of the reasons anyway there's more but this is one of the good reasons why people get long lasting results on our program and not just temporary results definitely i'm clapping for you there um <laughs> tip one anything else no i think we covered it all you you well yeah you gave us an extra booster point there that's a that's a free tip for the bank that was powerful one for the bank what about number two what do we think Number two is to alter your food environment. I know you love this. Oh, 
I love the food environment. Before I give everyone an ear beating <laughs> about the food environment and I start kicking off, what were you thinking about the food environment? Um, I was thinking that I'm sure with a lot of people, like you, people keep like snacks and like junk food, like very accessible. The snack drawer. Yes. The or, stress cupboard. Yes. <laughs> yes. The crisp cupboard. Yes, the crisp cupboard, yes. <laughs> You're right. Um, You're right. And beers in the fridge, ice cream in the freezer. Exactly. Biscuits in the other <laughs> cupboard. Yeah. Nice bread in the bread bin or in mm. or in next to the biscuits in the in that cupboard. Uh, 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 uh. Everything everywhere. Yeah. Sorry, go on. <laughs> it's okay. Um yeah, so you have them like easy, accessible, and then when it comes to healthier food, it's all like raw carrots and like parsnips and like uncooked unwashed like you gotta peel it <laughs> it's a lot of effort yeah and when you get home from work or you've had like a stressful day and you're just like oh, i can't bother <coughs> to cook anything so what would you tend to go for would you go for like peeling like the vegetables and like washing them and cooking them or will you go for like the biscuits or like a packet of crisps or some ice cream or chocolate cake in the fridge a lot of people will do that and we need to like try and switch that around so make the healthier foods more accessible and the junk food less accessible in the house absolutely <laughs> amazing absolutely amazing that is an underestimatedly important thing I think it's probably one of the top things people struggle with without even realizing that's what they're struggling with yep you're exactly right like I think I spoke about I'm not sure if it was on the podcast with Pauline Wood or at some point around that but I've spoke to Pauline Wood about this as well um, and posted about it in the Six Steps of Slim group as well about a company called Precision Nutrition in America mm. a big online nutrition company and they pulled asked sort of thing all of their members what do you think your biggest struggles with fat loss are and food environment was on the list but it was very low down but everybody ranked snacking and cravings as very high and very difficult yeah why do you think you've got so many cravings and you're snacking so much because of your food environment maybe it's because you're surrounded by temptation continuously how about that people just literally don't take it into account do they and you're exactly right about the healthy food versus the easier it's not healthy food versus unhealthy food but healthy food versus more like snacky high processed high calorie food yeah. sort of thing people often have the best of intentions buying in the healthy food they'll think all right i'm going to eat better and i'm going to make it balanced i'm going to do stuff i'm going to get and they do a healthy shop quote unquote that's mm. literally what people call it i'll do a healthy shop yeah. like that's different to your normal shop come on now that should be a normal shop but okay we'll talk about that later so you do your healthy shop and it's great it's the best of intentions but you're right you've got goddamn parsnips and don't get me wrong, I love parsnips. Parsnips are great. But roasting a parsnip after a hard day at work, for, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I'm not going to wash it, peel it, like put stuff on it. It takes like 50 minutes to roast. God. Then there's pans everywhere and trays everywhere. Wash up after. Mess on the sides. Yeah. God. God. It just takes, yeah, wash up after. It just takes forever. It's just like, no. If there's cake in the fridge or biscuits, you, you everyone would eat it. I'd eat it too. Mm. And people spend years thinking it's their willpower. Oh, it's my willpower. Every time I get in from work, I'm just tired and stressed and I've had a crap day. I just I just go for the easy things. 
I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Oh, on a weekend, after a hard week at work, you want to relax. Oh, but I just end up doing what's easy. Yeah. I would too. I would, yeah, I want you to do what's easy. I don't want you to have a hard life. I want you to do what's easy. You're exactly right when you say you need to change what easy is. Mm. Not you. Not change you so that you find hard things easy. You can do that, but that takes fucking ages and it's hard. But what's faster is just change what what is easy. So don't make so make the healthy foods harder to access and harder to get and less. Well, just just let, I don't know how to phrase it apart from harder to get, less accessible. Yeah. Let's say and make the healthier foods more accessible. Because after a hard day at work, if you're tired or stressed or if you've not got much time or you you you're not putting yourself first because you're looking after the kids or you're trying to fit in your exercise and that's taking up your time and you're trying you're doing all these positive other things mm. sometimes you haven't got time sometimes you haven't got time and luckily these days fast food and junk food used to be synonyms they used to mean the same word yeah fast food and junk food meant the same thing and now that is not true nope. it, it is now not faster to eat crap food than it is to eat good food if you're sticking with that in your mind as an excuse this is fake <laughs> Because there's there's now vegetables in stabby packs. You just stab it twice with, with a, a knife and stick it in the microwave for two minutes and it's done. Or three minutes, okay. What's faster? Opening a pack of biscuits, okay, maybe. But let's be real, isn't it? It's, it now doesn't have to be hard. You can get good quality ready meals. Yeah. Ten years ago, not true. Now, you can. You can get from different places. You can get nice quality ready meals. You can put some extra veg on the side because the only problem with ready meals really is the food volume's small. When you put it on the plate, it's a bit like small. So you need to get some extra veg, put that on the side of it. Um, you can even order delivery healthy food these days. You can get you can get meats that are cooked. You can get meats that are cooked and flavoured. You can get meats that are cooked and cut up and flavoured. You can get meats that are raw but marinated. Yeah. So it's already been in like sauces for ages for you. So you just literally stick it in the pan if you don't like the idea of already pre-cooked meats. Stuff like this, you can get frozen vegetables, you can get frozen already cut up vegetables. Like, fr you can't be bothered to cut onions. I understand, it's hard, it hurts your eyes. You can get frozen, like, already diced onion. You can get peppers as well. <clears throat> oh, yeah, exactly. Amazing! <laughs> exactly, you can make it easy for yourself. And is, is frozen veg always the, the nicest thing? Like, if you're doing a roast dinner? No, that's not the same thing, is it? But if you're putting it in stuff, like peas, sweet corn, those little tiny bits of carrots as well that come like in those mixed vegetable packets. Maybe it's got a bit of cauliflower mixed in there or something. Yeah. This is fine. Like you said, already done onions and already done peppers, but frozen and stuff. If you put them in a spag ball or a chili or a pie or something or a stew, something where it's in it, mm. you're not going to notice because no. it's in it anyway. Yes, okay, if it's veg on the side, sometimes fresh veg is a bit nicer because technically freezing things destroys the cell walls a little bit, so it ruins the fibre. So mm. then the veg is a bit mushy sometimes. Um, for some reason, Marks and Spencers seem to be able to get around that. Marks and Spencer, like if you get Marks and Spencers frozen broccoli, it's literally 70p, and if you put it in the microwave in a dish, like it says, with a, a, a mini plate over it, it's nice. It it's not, it's still got like a crunch. It's not even, it's not soggy. I don't know how, I don't know what they do different, but most places the veg comes out soggy, but for me, I'd give Marks and Sparks as a recommendation for frozen veg. Um, but it's about making the healthy choices the easy options, isn't it? Definitely. And not necessarily not buying snacks in, but just not surrounding yourself with every single temptation and then and every single th temptation that you love, mm. buying all your favourite foods in, you know, and then wondering why you turn to them because they've got an expiration date that's like 10 years. 
and they literally just sit there waiting in the cupboard until next time you get bored or stressed. And then you eat them then. And if it's making you unhealthy or unhappy, if it's not serving you mentally or physically to do these things, then we just need to not do it. Yeah. And people spend years thinking it's their willpower, literally lifetimes. Oh, it's my willpower. Oh, every time I start eating biscuits, I can't stop. Oh, every time I start eating junk food, I can't stop. If I eat takeaway two, two days in a row, it's really hard to stop. And they think it's them. They think there's something wrong with them. This is completely normal. Yeah. It's food, especially junk food, highly palatable, fatty, junk, salty, junk foody style they, it, food. It releases dopamine from the brain. We're wired to love it as humans. When something's pleasurable, of course you want it more. Oh, once I, once, once I, once I feel pleasure, I like it and like more pleasure. Yeah. This sounds normal, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, when you say it like that, it sounds normal. Oh, but once I open a packet of biscuits, I can't not finish it. Or once I start on a bottle of wine. So that's one of the things as well, isn't it? It's two and a half flipping glasses for a bottle of wine. So once you pop it, oh, what are we going to do? Yeah, we're going to throw it away. No. Or full bag of Doritos, 1,000 calories. Or sharing bag of Cadbury's buttons, 1,000 calories. Something like this, all rough, roughly the same. Yeah. Once you've opened it, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Isn't it? And people are like, oh, I always eat it all. I know. Everyone knows. Everyone does. People literally think, this, this, is what some, this is what sometimes people who struggle with food think. They think there's two types of people in the world. They think there's people like them in their category who, when they're around their favourite foods, like they keep at home and when they open a packet of biscuits, they just end up eating it all. Mm. Not a weekend, they eat too much too. And if I order a takeaway and it's massive and it comes and then I just end up eating it all. And if I open chocolate, I end up eating it all. And it's just me, look, it's just my willpower. Mm. And they, they think there's another group of people who can sit around all this food and then not do anything about it. And they've got either less love for food or more willpower to avoid that food. There are different... People are different. All people are different, but generally that's not the way it works. Not really. Generally, it's more like you're saying about the food environment, where there are so, there's not some people that buy loads of all their favourite junk foods and keep them at home and then struggle to eat it. Mm. And there's people who buy all their favourite junk foods and keep them at home and then don't struggle to eat it all. They just buy less of the junk food. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. There's two groups of people, really. People who buy all the junk food that they love and then wonder why they eat it, and people who don't. <laughs> and there's people who just don't buy all of the junk food that they love because they know that they're going to eat it. So they just stop. You just don't enter into this game. Like if, if my home was full of flipping, I don't really like crisps, like let's say for example, but for me chocolate is my favourite thing. If it was full of chocolate, like in the fridge, in the cupboard, here, there, ice cream in the freezer, all the time, I'd be munching it all the time. I've done it before. Mm. I know me, so I just don't do it. Yeah. So I just don't do it. So if you're somebody that, if you want eat one bag of crisps, you just want another, and you just immediately go on to the next, you just need to not buy the 24 multi-pack. Just buy a single bag. Of just crisps. buy a single bag of crisps. So that, so that understand yourself and know that you've got a craving for crisps and know that once you eat those crisps, it's going to be nice, but it's not going to get rid of the craving. Quite often, it's just going to remind you that, yeah, you do like crisps. Yeah, you do want more. And then you're gonna, if there's more sat there, what's the probability you're going to go for more? Very high. Mm -hmm. If there's not more sat there, if you just bought one bag of crisps and you just had that one prepared for that snack because you actually planned for it and you just actually sit there and enjoy it, when you want another after, you can always get more. You can always walk to the shop or jump in the car. You're never more than flipping five minutes mm -hmm. from a shop, usually most people at most times. Supermarkets are 24-7 if you care that much. <laughs> just go to a big one, isn't it? Yeah. But it's just making it easier for you to succeed and harder for you to screw up or harder for you to go off track, isn't it? If you just, if every single cupboard you've got is not full of like things that you love, mm. isn't it? There's more like people who have, 
healthier food environments and people who don't. There's more people who buy all this junk food and then they end up eating all the junk food because of course you do, that's why you bought it. Yeah. It's not keeping the lights on, is it? <laughs> no. no. Somebody said it's not a nice ornament, is it? And I thought, you're right, it's not a flipping nice ornament, is it? You not bought it because it looks nice, you bought it to eat it, and then people are like, I don't know why I eat it, do you not? <laughs> do you not? Because <laughs> I do, I do, and then, you know. But the, And then there's there's people who have a healthier food environment, so at home they just don't keep all their temptations around them. Because yeah. there's enough temptations everywhere. Maybe you're at work and people are passing around the biscuit tin, and then maybe, you know, you go out in the street, and then the, you can, there's billboards, and then you, there's smells of, like, company, companies are like, pumping smells out like you can smell KFC or you can smell McDee's and then you open your phone and you've got some people have flipping food porn <laughs> don't they followed on their flipping phone yeah. ridiculous and then you watch TV at night and what do you watch cooking programs I bet you do yeah. and you wonder why your cravings are insane it's because all these things play into your food environment and all these little just triggers it's just one after the other after the other and every single person breaks mm. every single person breaks it's not about how strong your willpower is it's about how many triggers or how many temptations you come across mm. healthier people set up their environment so that they are triggered less basically maybe triggered's not the right word so that they're tempted less, tempted less yeah tempted less so you don't have to use as much willpower to do the right things because yeah. that's just making your own life hard why buy foods that you're trying to avoid and if you if you are planning to eat it buy the amount you actually want to eat not the amount that's going to make you upset when you eat it anyway food environment, food environment. i'll chew anybody's <laughs> ear off about food environment people don't people don't think it's as important as it is oh, it's cute. like so for some cool. people the car's a food environment yes. people are like oh i always snack when i'm stuck in traffic that's because you've got sweets in the car. If I was sat there bored with nothing to do, stressed, I'd munch them too. You just have to not do it. Yeah. And how often are you stuck in traffic? Probably quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> if if you if you're driving to work and stuff like this, then yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, quite a lot. Yeah. So people struggle, don't they? Or they do. and you can't control all these environments. So you've got to really control the ones that you can. You can't necessarily do something about everybody bringing in sweets and biscuits at work. You can try a bit and like put them in cupboards and tell people that you're trying to look after your health so please don't bring me the sweets round when you're like passing them around. Just skip me. Don't ask me every day because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and say no. Mm. I'm, I'm on a health kick. Tell people about it. So you can do that but it's only so effective. Yeah. You, can't, you, can, you can unfollow like food stuff on your phone and on social media. You actually can. And it might, it's going to be painful but you can. <laughs> it's going to be painful but you can. You can watch less cooking programs. Again, it's going to be painful but you can. You can't do anything about in the high street or billboards or adverts on TV for food or anything like this really or chocolate being lined up next to the supermarket till. Oh, that's why it's there, isn't it? Yeah, to try and tempt you into it. Yeah, yeah, you can't do anything about those ones really. So you've got to try and do do things about the things that you can control. You've got to try and make it easy where you can make it easy. One of the things I always teach and tell people is that when your home's a happy and healthy place, you will find it easier to be too. And your home environment, for a lot of people, is one of the environments that they can impact. Maybe there's other people involved in it as well, so it's not all just cut and dry, but you can have some impact and influence most of the time on your food environment at home at least. Definitely. And during lockdown, and if you're working from home and stuff like this, it can it's even more important, isn't it? Definitely is. It's even more important. Like, we're working at home right now, so we have to watch the food environment, don't we? Yeah. This is the game. This is the game. Anything else about food environment? Um, no, we've covered it all. I'm thinking of a couple of things, but I think we'll let it go. Are you sure? I think we'll let I, it go. I, I know you love talking about altering your food environment. I think people get it. 
Or if they just keep listening to the show, you just will get it. <laughs> over, over, over episodes to come, you'll get it. <laughs> okay, then. Shall we move on to tip number three? Tip number three. Tip number three is don't stress about all the little things when it comes to tracking calories. So what I mean by this is like my fitness pal and other calorie counting apps. Yeah. They'll say like give you targets for freaking potassium, <laughs> vitamins, different fats, carbs, sodium, fiber. Fiber, I was gonna say fiber. Etc. etc. Fiber target. All and right. <laughs> Just don't listen to it. First of all, if you're using my fitness pal and you're a female, they probably gave you a 1200 calorie target anyway, which is stupid. We already went through that on point one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you're actually right there. So then the, then the correlating carb, fat, and sodium, and even vitamin and mineral intake goals would be scaled to that when that's wrong in the first place. Exactly. So the target's not even right. So the targets are not even right. Exactly. But just don't worry about it anyway, because you don't need to focus on it and it will give you way more stress and when you're dieting and that's stressful enough adding more stress and like counting mm. every little thing can just not it's not good yep i absolutely completely agree it would be majoring in the minors mm. wouldn't it some people some people term it like if you're worrying about if it, okay maybe i shouldn't say that i was going to say if you're worrying about your fiber intake like sh it's an interesting point because should you eat fiber? Yes. Is fiber good? Yes. Most of the time for most people. Should you eat healthy? Yes. Should you eat fruit and vegetables? Yes. But should you be tracking your fiber intake? Not really. Like, should you get good potassium? Like, that was your first one. I know you said that because it's funny because it's like, it's such an obscure thing to be tracking. It is. Yeah, I know exactly. But should you get a good potassium intake? Yes. But should you be tracking it? No. No, you don't need to be doing these things. If you're tracking these things, you're adding so much stress and struggle for so little reward. It's not going to make a difference. Like if you're worrying about your carb to fat ratio, like how many grams of carbs you've had versus fats and stuff like this, it's, these things are not missing the forest for the trees. They're missing the trees because you've got your head stuck in the floor. It's literally just... It's missing the entire point to things. It's, it's worrying about variables that are real variables and they're real things, but they're not impacting anything. They're not having a big effect. And one of the things we try and do is efficiency yeah. on the program, don't we? So it, you're exactly right. There's a lot of things that comes up in my fitness pal and it gives you loads of targets and advice and it's got loads of ranges for things and you haven't eaten enough sodium and your cholesterol intake is too high. It's like, piss off. It's just, it's advice is wrong. Yeah. Because it's generalised advice anyway, so it's not specified to any single person, so it's not right for you no matter who you are and what it said. It generally just can't be, which it's not even trying to do. People think that, though, I think. Mm -hmm. I think people think that the MyFitnessPal is tracking their food intake and, like, adjusting their goals and giving them, like, smart advice based on their inputs, but it's, it's not. not. No. Mm -hmm. It's no. It's just giving you, like, it just it's giving you generalised tips, which is not a bad thing. It's better than them giving you no tips. That's if, true. Yeah, if, you don't, if you've got no coach or no one helping you, you need some flipping tips. Yeah. And you need to, you need to, but we can do, we obviously we're on six steps and stuff, but we can do better because we actually work with people and we ask them questions and we figure out who they are and give them their targets that are right for them and what they they want and they're doing sort of thing. Um, so it can look very confusing on like MyFitnessPal or something like that, can't it, with all the different targets and ranges and most of it's just pointless. Yeah. Isn't it? It is. And the other thing with my fitness pal especially is a lot of the inputs are guesses from other people. Oh yeah, a lot of the database is user generated. Yeah. Yes. So I'm sure a lot of people don't even type in like 
how much potassium this is has or like yeah because if i go into my fitness pal and i click create new food and then i type in potato mm. because like maybe i can't find the one that i want in the my fitness pal registry or whatever it is so i go and create my own which is a smart thing to do yeah. and then i type in potato and then i put the exact amount of calories that i know is correct for the potato do you think i'm going to go down and put how many carbs is in it no not pro probably not and what about all the different vitamins and minerals am i going try going to try and find out and and enter all those it'd be wrong even if i did because yeah. not even even two potatoes don't even have the same amount of vitamins and minerals so it wouldn't even work anyway so people you're right don't go down and entering all the information because you don't even know all that information and why even would you it's not even important really yeah. so then when you look at a lot of foods in the my fitness pal database they don't even have like entries for the vitamins and minerals or the cholesterol amount or the sugars or whatever so when it adds up all the sugars in the diary they they're not even all filled in all the boxes like in the hypothetical excel spreadsheet they've missed out a load of boxes and then it gives you a total at the end that's just flipping nothing yeah just doesn't mean anything nope. and it doesn't get you any extra results doing any of these things the only two food variables that matter are number one really for fat loss and for fat loss specifically let's just say are calories and then protein yeah that's why the first step to slim is calorie management and the fifth step to slim is protein intake yeah isn't it because they're the two most important food variables so we encourage people to track calorie intake and protein intake but not even protein intake until they've gotten further down and got their calorie intake sorted because that's number one bringing the weight down we don't even work on protein intake until later on yeah that's true and obviously there are other things that impact and affect it too outside of just pure nutrition and pure fat loss but you are exactly right liam howells on recent similar top three tips mm -hmm. said something along the lines of don't sweat the small stuff yeah and he kind of meant the same thing mm. don't major in the minors don't worry about the minutia of it yeah. of all these things know what your big rocks and tools of effectiveness are and then focus on those makes sense. what do you think any other points to say on this um no feel like we've covered everything i do i think we have all right could you then give us a a quick one two three just a bang 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 of your top three tips again yep so number one don't give yourself a specific calorie deficit target to hit every day instead give yourself a range it can be like zero calorie deficit to a thousand for example uh, number two alter your food environment so healthy foods is more accessible and easier and unhealthy food junk food mm -hmm. is less harder to access and then number three don't stress about like the small things like nutrients when calorie counting things like that like potassium vitamins and things like that yeah that's gonna to be too complicated isn't it and we do focus on those things we do focus on healthy eating and on people's vitamin and mineral intake and stuff but we also do that later don't yeah. we? we're also a big proponent of one thing at a time mm. one goal at a time don't overwhelm yourself don't give yourself 19 goals um, just the calorie management on its own brings the weight down and gets statistically 80% of the job done yeah. on its own and that's hard enough as it is worry about the other little bits when it's time to worry about them later yeah alright I think good what do you think I think good oh lovely thank you then Beth thank you for um, coming to talk to me on the show and thank you ladies and gentlemen once again if you want 
to find us, you can find Beth at Pure Gym City Centre South. Let me pronounce it correctly. <laughs> in Sheffield, um, or on Instagram at SlimSociety.Nutrition. If you want help from us or you want to join the Six Steps Slim program or know who we are or more about what we do or how we can help you, go to slumsociety.co.uk. You can also send in questions for the show as well if you want help or for us to answer them. What do you think, done? Done. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Beth. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. We'll speak to you and we'll see you again soon.